see wines and vines i'm your host christopher martin this episode is sponsored by Vincality, a supportive hub to help you realize all your vineyard aspirations using quantitative data gathering and analysis, precision viticulture tools, community connection with a love for terroir in its truest form. Whether mapping subsoil irrigation or chlorophyll efficiency, Vintality pushes the edges of science and terroir to help you create better fruit more sustainably and profitably. Vintality also has a weekly newsletter with BC Wine News, useful resources, and interesting articles, whether you're a winemaker, on the business side, in the vineyard, or just passionate about wine. You can sign up at the website vintality.ca. This episode, we're joined by Severine Pente a managing partner at Enoteca Winery and Resorts, where she oversees Le Vupin and La Stella wineries. Sev is an impressive figure, a dual threat as a winemaker and a viticulturalist. She's played an important role in raising the quality of the BC wine industry and for that has received numerous awards, the most recent being Wine Business Monthly's June 2020 Winemaker of the Month. I think you'll enjoy hearing from Sev on her early wine education in France, as well as her thinking around changes she's been making in her vineyard management. Sev is very committed to the next generation, sharing her thoughts on breaking into the wine industry, as well as what she's doing to improve her vineyards for the next generation. In this conversation, I was also joined by my friend Anthony Rosado, a financial planner working with small businesses, and you'll hear from him as well. We recorded this episode out in the vineyard at Le View Pin, and there are a couple moments of wind noise. You can see this video on our YouTube channel, Vintality. I really enjoyed this conversation with Sev, and I think you will too. How did you end up in wine? How did that start? Well, I, uh, um, right after high school and, uh, Look, I'm, I'm from France and um, it's either you go to university, but it's I didn't think I would get what I wanted to out of university. It's a completely different system than in here in Canada. So I went to preparatory school and then to in the idea of um, trying to reach for an engineering school. So I ended up in uh, agronomy engineering school in Montpellier and I uh, specialized there into studying viticulture and enology. So I'm an agronomy engineer specialized in that. And then at the same time, the school is delivering the enology diploma, which is a diploma that you can only, um, you can only make wine in France if you have that because there's, uh, there's a lot more regulation than here. And uh, like the copper addition or that needs to be, it's very regimented by law. So you need to have that diploma in order to be able to do that. And um, so um, I didn't really have any background in winemaking in my family. It's just like the passion of wine, drinking wine at the table and then discovering the visiting. My parents always visited some wine region and I have a, this memory of me and my parents um, visiting a, um, a cave in the Loire Valley yeah. and then magnificent cave uh, carved into the clay um into the chalk sorry and then um 
barrels lined up in a very dark place was humid and then my parents taking the wine sample out of the barrel and I was like oh come on let's go it's boring <laughs> and I think about this and I was like yeah, yeah damn it I had it right there it was perfect <laughs> and uh, so um yeah and then what what really uh, draw my interest in when I was at Montpellier at the engineering school is that we were learning from all the way from the viticulture from the like how to create to, to graft our uh, the rootstock on the scion and then and then grow that and then put it in the vineyard and then and then learning about the viticulture the field physiology of the plant and then the winemaking the bottling the aging the, the business side of it the finance the marketing mm. everything mm. and so that was really interesting for me to to have that very broad um and so i did that and then did my first vintage in 97 in um uh in a cap in a co-op in uh, the appellation of gaillac and uh, made some wine there we'll spend a lot of time in the lab not being happy about it and then the guy the winemaker at the time said okay you're not happy so go pump that and i was just like oh, okay how does that work go filter mm, i don't know go into your tank so they put me in a tank by myself and all the stuff that i had for oxygen was like a, a flying piece of compressed hair and then all of <laughs> and so i was like uh, i learned the rope right there and i really quickly realized that uh, even if I had this magnificent degree, I had to start right from the beginning. So I learned, went back in the cellar and learned everything and then ended up, um, working in a co-op. And then after that, I came in a little bit here in Canada, met my ex-husband and then did stuff over here and then burned back to Bordeaux, became the director director of the Pesac Leonion Appellation, so worked more on the, more on the PR and on yeah. the um, defending appellation and because it's, it's Pesac Leonion is one of those appellations that's really surrounded by the city, so a lot of the land is super valuable for constructions and malls, but the president of the appellation was really um, uh, adamant about defending the land and then preserving yeah. the, the terroir. So did that, and then went back to production. Director of a co-op, and then in 2010 moved here, landed here. So let's back that up a little bit. Why did you? Why did you? Where and why did you move to Canada in the first place? Um. So I was married to a Canadian guy, and um, we always came back every summer or every year to Vancouver and then here. And then I witnessed the wine industry grow here. And then what struck me every time I came was the that very young, uh, dynamic, uh, everything seemed possible. And, and when I was looking back at what I was doing in France, it was great, but I could have stayed where I was for ages and, and retire where I was and then that's it and the kids were young and we said okay well let's do something and so we moved um took about two years to meet the owner find well they found me and then sort things out and then and then finally 2010 uh we decided to move and we landed in osoyoos on august 6 2010 it was 35 degrees out there my first morning in the vineyard i didn't drink and then by 12 i was done at home so yeah so that was uh and then it's been uh, a fabulous journey so being part of the Livio Pan team and then uh, la stella has been mm -hmm. absolutely awesome it's been 10 so, years 
10 years, yeah. 10 years. It's going to be 10 years this year. Wow. Yeah. So. Wow. What, what do you think's uh, changed in BC Wine from when you started here in 2010 and, and now? Um, I would say that we more and more, I think a lot of change in the, in the viticulture, like a lot more when I arrived, the, the notion that the, the word terroir was, it was known, but it was maybe not fully understood. And then a lot of people were just maybe doing viticulture as, as maybe like, yeah, you grow a plant, but maybe not paying attention to the detail of that. And so I think within the last 10 years, a lot of wineries and growers have, have really um, paid more attention to the soil, to the, the climate that we have, to where we put the, um, the plants, uh, like we can see it in the development of all the sub-GI uh, in the sustainability program that we're developing all those steps that we're taking towards um, knowing better what we have underneath our feet and then, then it starts right there and then you can uh, be, thanks to that we've seen a shift into uh, maybe more balanced and complex wine and and then the quality is going higher and then we can see it in the and um, international tasting that we do, BC, like the first tasting I did in London in 2015, um, London people, English, they had no clue, no clue what we were doing. And and then now when we go back, they say, oh, yeah, okay, BC. And then Steven Spirit came and then he was super impressed. And then he came back a few years later and he's just like, wow, you keep amazing me. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. So then what, like for you, when you talk terroir, like what, what captures it, like, you know, thinking like, okay, we're learning more about it. So what does that mean to you? Like, what does that look like to learn about, you know, the, the terroir of the Okanagan of Oliver, et cetera? So the, the terroir is that to break it down, I think it's easier well, in my head, it's easier to make it like that, but it's, it's, uh, for me has five components is the soil that where we, where the, the grapes are growing, the micro climate, MI, climate of the grapes and then the macro climate like ma where like if it's on a plateau if it's on a slope northeast or whatever then there's the um the grape itself and then there's the the person who's growing the grapes and on all those five components have a very big impact on what you call as a terroir and um so basically over the last 10 years for me it was just like knowing the the soil and then learning about the the geography of the valley the climate like i i've been in a hot climate before but never in a desert mm-hmm. and um even in montpellier it was really hot we have almost the same uh, going degree days as here in the okanagan but the nights are not cool and we still have a lot more rain than here and um and it sporadically over the year so they sometimes there's no need to water because the the storm the 15 of august storm is going to come in and it's almost said and this is okay is it coming yet and, then, <laughs> and, and 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 it's true it's happening so whereas here i had never dealt with irrigation before so i had to learn how to manage the soil and the plant with that that one more parameter and it happens to be a very important one so it's for me that discovering the terroir is about that about 
Yeah. I suspect that took some trial and error and some experimentation and, and risk as well to, to kind of figure out. Yeah. So variables work. Yeah. So, um, I've, I'm lucky we, um, we have a very good team. Uh, it was at Enotekia and the vineyard manager, Jody Subotin is, um, he's been working in the Valley, uh, all his life in, in the vineyard. So he had a, a pretty wide understanding of, of the soil and, and what worked and not. And then after that, uh, in 2015, we initiated, um, uh, a wide study thanks to a grant that we got from the government to work on our, uh, try to optimize the use of the water, um, in, in our vineyard. So, and then, so we looked at, we did the electroconductivity measurements. We did some NDVI measurements. We dug some pits to find out what was underneath and then to find out how the water was going to travel through that soil and be retained. And so we got a bunch of data. And then from there, we, we kind of um, modified our, um, um, irrigation system to drip and, but yeah, we, I had no, I don't know why it's stupid, but uh, we had some uh, we had some uh, uh, vineyard that were irrigated with overhead or uh, maxi jets. So yep. the roots had been had developed kind of on, uh, on the surface and then kind of in a wide. Like the vine is made to have a, a, a big main root that goes down and go find the water very deep. But then, so in my head, that's what was there. But and those roots were everywhere on the top. And when we switched to drip those roots over there didn't get any more water. And so we look at the vine and says, hmm, that's not doing well. I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so we had to adapt. And then unfortunately, for the first few years, we had to actually put more water. Yeah. Uh, but now every, we can see it and we can monitor that closely. Or we, we found out that some piece of vineyards that we had actually didn't need water at all because we have veins of clay and uh, especially at La Stella on the bottom of the Sangiovese and Sauvignon Blanc block, we have just a big vein of clay and there's water all year round, doesn't matter. Mm. So we actually decided not to water the, 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 the few panels at the bottom. And then we, now we have, we can regulate the vigor and stuff like that, like that. So yeah, it is a lot of trial and error. Yeah. A lot. A couple follow-up questions. I mean, that's so interesting to me. Uh, a small one is one criticism I've heard of the maxi jets was that they cause fungus. Just out of curiosity, were you seeing that? Were you seeing issues because it's a little bit more of a mess? You're not getting the strain. So the, for me, the maxi jets was not, were not good for a few reasons. The, the, one of the reasons is, yes, it creates the mist around closer to the fruit zone. And then if you don't manage that properly, and then if there's too many leaves or there's too many weeds, or it can create a micro a microclimate that is kind of proponent to uh, fungus development. Then the second thing is that you lose a lot of water. Like if it's 35 out and then you cannot water during the night because of the logistics and things, you, you're losing a lot of that water. It's not, never going to go to the ground. And then after that, it was also watering the middle of the row. And then uh, our soils are quite poor. So even though sometimes it's good to develop some uh, cover crop to help with um, bring back nitrogen to the ground, uh, I had to do... Um, 
Like I waited it for a long time. Do I keep the cover crop? Do I not keep the cover crop? And then so I decided not to. And then so right now we haven't been irrigating into at all in the middle of the row. And it's been so rainy that we still have some of that grass and then some of that clover that grows uh, in some vineyards. But we don't, um, our goal is not to grow the cover crop in the middle just because it's the, the vines I find it really there's a high competition yep. and uh, I'm, I, I would rather the vine to be uh, self-sustainable with the plot of soil that that's surrounding her and, and like for me adding 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 is not the best way like you're yep. right so that's the option that we we went for and just for people who aren't as familiar with cover crops uh what's okay. Like Anthony, <laughs> but what they're doing, what Seb's talking about is, I mean, it depends on the, the variety you're using, whether you're using legumes or grasses or other things, but what they'll do is they'll often, a lot of them, especially legumes will pull nitrogen from the air. They'll fix it in the soil. So it's available to the plant. They help with erosion, uh, but then they also compete with the vines. And that's kind of what Seb's saying is especially in kind of low nutrient soil, uh, very sandy soil, it's too much competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I've found that very much here, and and yeah, so decided on that. Yeah, um, and then I'm curious too. So now that you've gone, so now that you've gone from overheads where you had this, I mean, I'm definitely curious on what your philosophy is because I always find this so interesting. On obviously with the overheads, you get that nice wide root mass in theory there's therefore it has more nutrients to pull from especially in that upper layer versus drip you have a lot more control you're wasting a lot less water and in theory you can drive those water roots down a lot deeper you've done both now where, where, where are you on that? like what do you think about kind of those competing philosophies i i, I think that the the drip is much better for the plant than mm. the, uh, the overhead the overhead is um like I wish I'd kept it some in some vineyards. Uh, sometimes, like the the Syrah, sometimes can shut down when it's too hot. Mm. So maybe if I had the overhead, I could have maybe uh, the cool it down a little cool bit. It down yeah. a bit. But at the same time, you create uh, that microclimate, that microclimate of humidity around your plants, and then the, the fruit zone might not be super good. Um, frost protection it's useful as well but i think for the for the plant itself to to really dig deep because this is the when you look at the anatomy of the of the of the vine they go they can go seven meters down so if eventually the root can go super deep and then find that water table wherever it is if it's there and then and then find the nutrition and, and, and we're working as well on um it's a long-term program, but trying to um, put compost on the row, underneath the vine, and like um, and then get this like very heavy layer of compost, like about 20, 20, 15 to twenty centimeters, to uh, to help the soil be healthier right underneath the row, and then to try and have the all the nutrients that the plant needs right there, and yep. uh, so that the plant can be in a in a healthier can grow healthier over the years so that's that's why i really focus on the on the on the drip and i got one question then i'll let you actually get a word in edgewise what did you uh you know now that you've done both now that you've kind of made this change and obviously like you're saying there's a bit of a challenge uh for the roots obviously when you move from the overhead to drip but so what like what are the kind of your big takeaways like what have you seen as really positive or maybe negative 
uh, with all that kind of soil exploration work you did, all that mapping, you know, looking at how it actually was flowing. So okay, what, what's your reflection on having made that change? I think it's it's allowing us to like have done all those detail uh, and uh, detail oriented uh, studies. It's allowing us to maybe work with the with the soil and then be like um. Like this play-doh, we're malleable. We don't have a, a recipe per se. We're going to look at the vineyard. We're going to knowing what we have underneath, and then how the vineyard looks, and then we're going to adapt. So, and then in in the end, it's all about having some balance uh, grapes. Like if we can balance the like I was talking about the vigor, mm -hmm. ma managing the vigor um, by maybe not watering those few pla uh, panels at the bottom of La Stella Vineyard, we're able to to have the same amount of cluster and the same weight per cluster as what we have on the top. And to me, this is my goal. Like if I can have balance, very often take that analogy, like if you're standing like this and then you're balanced and there's a human being, your both shoulders are there, you're, you're, you're fine. You feel comfortable. Most likely you have your vitamins, all that. And then that's what I want my berry to come. <laughs> if my berry comes at the winery and then is like this, and then I'm going to have to work like hell to put it eventually yeah. back like this. But I will go through that phase yes. on the other side. And then being back at that level, it most likely is never going to happen. So if I can have that right away from the vineyard, that's my goal. Mm. That's what I want. So... Yeah. That's that's what I'm reaching. I'm not sure I'm there yet, but that's what I'm reaching for. <laughs> you know, and, and like this is not a leading question, but like, did it really help? Like, like, did I'm very curious. Like, did doing all this work? You know, I'm thinking of somebody who's listening and they're kind of interested in what you're talking about. What, like, did it actually help? Like, yeah, oh, it definitely. Like the, like I'm talking the that Sauvignon Blanc. We used to have a, a, a huge difference in maturity level uh, and timing of so for picking. It was a nightmare. Like you do, do you do I pick the whole block? Do I pick by section? Do I? And then we're still very small, but uh, logistically wise, it's it can be a nightmare at harvest when you have so many different blocks. And then you have little like if I had to pick those four panels by themselves, it's like in the press is nothing. It's prone to oxidation and then you have a tiny tank and you don't know so it's um it really helped in terms of um like i said managing the balance of the grapes and then having something more homogene so that um overall i always say uh winemaking is 60 percent organization and 40 percent actual winemaking or viticulture and and so the a lot of the things that having balanced grapes is it's it's good, but then I'm I'm looking ahead. I'm not just looking right there. I'm looking at what does it imply logistically, financially, all that stuff. So it's um, yeah helped a lot. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I just have one question. So just one. Just one. Well, education has been a big part of your background yes right? you, have yeah. a, you have a master's degree mm -hmm. um and you've also you know, taken some time to to educate you know our younger generation about winemaking are you saying i'm old no, <laughs> no. <laughs> sorry younger than us okay i'm just, I'm just saying 32 is older than 31 <laughs> but for for someone coming up and wanting to break into the industry like what what, what pathway would you recommend because, I mean, I think your background might be a little bit different than your, your normal BC winemaker. I, I would say that um, 
the most the biggest advice I would give to anybody that want to enter in the uh, wine industry is to stay humble. Like you, I have been doing that for twenty one years now, and I'm still learning every day. And there's still stuff that I do that probably completely wrong. And and the one person that's going to come arrive and I say, well, I do it like this, and I've two years of vintage behind me and this is the way it is, you can go out of the door yeah. right there. It's never going to flow. I, I, I just think that a lot of the, what's good about the, the BC wine industry um, is that you, you can come in. Like I see it all the time. There's people from the industry, sommelier or people, people that have uh, a passion about wine that have been drinking those bottles and they want to know more and it's awesome. And they come and, and they have no degree. They have no knowledge of like what chemically what it is. I have a girl in the cellar, Kelly, and she's just passionate about it. And she admits it. She has no knowledge, chemistry, viticulture, but she's willing to learn and she's willing. And that's what BC is allowing. So if you're willing to, uh, to put your ego in on the side and then just start from the bottom. And that's what I do. You need to know if I don't know how to, um, talk a vineyard i cannot tell somebody how to do it because i don't know how long it's going to take i don't know what it implies those guys they're working those mexican workers they're working 10 hours a day in a vineyard i've done it for three hours i can't lift my shoulder i can't lift my arm like that so like this right yeah, yeah. yeah so i i mean if you if you want to to go and then find some place for yourself in the bc wine industry you have to to be able to understand that you have to learn right from the beginning. And then even if sometimes it's, it's hard because you've been a manager in a restaurant or in a high, a high end place. And then you have to go back to listening to somebody telling you to do something. I think that's the way to do, to go. And then slowly you'll learn because there's no better education than just doing it mm-hmm. yourself, like practicing. Yeah. So not for sure. That's, I think that's, no, that definitely helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, is there so again like you're saying go like find someone go find someone you like or you trust someone who, whose wine you love and go whether you want to be in the vineyard or in the you know working uh, in the cellar go work from them learn from them is there anything you would suggest to speed that process up like is there any you know not necessarily you know obviously that's the priority but is there any education or is there anyone you would say okay also like check out this person or check out that person they're going to help you figure it out a little bit faster well, I think in BC, we're just, we're so young that we're, we're starting this. We're starting to have those programs in place yeah. where you can like a, there's um, uh, a degree uh, in viticulture available at the Okanagan College. Mm-hmm. I know UBCO is working on some, uh, some kind of education system as well coordinated with Vancouver there's there's a lot of there's a lot of online things that you can you can go through um books reading there's so many things you can read or podcast or youtube stuff or there's a lot of things that yeah you can is there any out of curiosity is there any books off the top of your head you'd recommend putting you on the spot here I, I my Bible. I don't, I'm pretty sure they would be translated in English, but it's the um, the the Galley uh, books about mm-hmm. physiology of the plant and and, mm-hmm. and the viticulture, and, and they're very uh, general but precise enough that you can have information on that. And then, yeah, I think the talking, going to conferences, and then not 
not being afraid to reach out to people. Like there's so many people that are there that have information. Like there's the Summerland Research Center. There's all those associations, the BC One Group Council, the BC One Institute. Um, there's a, a ton of winemakers that have different ideas and stuff. And then I think if you reach out and then not be shy to just ask questions, there's no dumb questions. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised. <laughs> 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 yeah, we, we haven't finished the interview. I got yet, two more so. questions. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, one thing I'm wondering, where do you think, because this is something we're kind of talking about with everyone, is like, where do you think BC Wine needs to go? Like, what do you think right now it's missing? Like, what what's going to help BC Wine take that next step? I think we're on the right path. Like I think, like I said, the the working on the viticulture uh, aspects of things, making sure that we have perfect grapes to enter the winery and to so that because then we can um, increase the quality, the overall quality because we are in a very small region. So unfortunately, we our prices are quite high, and then we want the customer to to have. To get his money's worth of what he's buying, and and then to us as well, so that we can compete on an international level. Because we're so small, if we're not good, we're never going to make it. Yeah. And so, um, I think that's where we're going. And then I think we can um, very quite quickly, actually. It's because it's moving fast. We will we'll be able to have BC as a um, as a reference in the cold climate, and and then. We always talk about the fact that we're diverse and a lot of people who view that as a maybe a negative point, but it's actually a, a phenomenal uh, pool to learn because you can learn from growing Syrah, Vionier, Roussan and here in Oliver, and then you can go an hour drive north and then you can learn about uh, Riesling and Pinot Noir and Chardonnay and then how it's made and, and, and then a completely different view on the climate. And so I, I think BC has, has a very bright future in in, that, in those terms. And then and, and everybody is, what's super good is that everybody is eager to learn, eager to do better. Is that Nobody's sitting there and says, okay, well, we've made it. And uh, let's sit a little bit, let's watch, and then we'll, we'll do something. You know, it's always moving. It's, so I think that's, that's the key. Like it's everybody, people, people want to learn. They want to, it's thriving. Like you guys, I didn't know you guys like, three months ago and then and then, <laughs> and then you are so there's always something <laughs> and then maybe like to that as well uh you're involved with the sustainability program they're coming out with you just maybe want to talk a little bit about why and what you're doing there so to me being sustainable is far more important than being organic or biodynamic or we want the sustainability program is looking at the business overall there's the environmental side the economic and the social side and it's sometimes people don't understand like if you oh i want to be organic but organic must might just be the vineyard and then if you organic completely sometimes it might not be sustainable because you're the cost of being organic is really expensive and then if your business is not set up for that then you're going to go down and so for me sustainable has been always super important because it's a way of managing the business in a in um like you need to look far ahead you need to have that plan and and uh it's it's helping steering the sheep the sheep and and i have two kids they're whether they go back in the winemaking or they're 
they're working on a farm right now and they're working with the land. And then if we can protect that land and then do whatever we can to still make awesome quality wines, but looking to the future and then giving that land back to our kids and the future generation in a maybe better way than we found it, us as our generation, then that might, that might be that that's my goal so it's and then bc has been working on it for quite a while um even before 2010 and then in the last little while we've ramped up into and we're about to we're launching the certification program and and we soon we will be able to put that logo on our bottles to say we are certified organic that means um, uh, sustainable means that we we have checked that we are able to save water or le waste less water or manage our waste better, save energy. Um, having a program in place where we know our neighbor and that we know if we spray, then we're going to call them courtesy call. Hey, we're going to spray organic product. You might move your car because you don't want that to be on your car. Little, little things like that. Or do a black sage road is often quite, um, people unfortunately throw their stuff through the window and then um, we're planning on doing an action on the road to just, with the team, to just gather all the garbages and um, just things to improve the, what we do. At the end of the day, I want to be able to sleep on my two years and not be stressed because I created a mess. Mm. So, yeah, that's great. Um, I think other than a couple, is there anything else you want to ask? No, um, I think I, it's been great. Thank you for your. Well, I know. I, I, I know. still. I, okay. I, I got to know. The music's coming. No, no. You hear any music? I hear some Mexican music. No, it's gone now. Mexican music is gone. What's What's next for the Viewpin for Enoteca for La Stella? Like, what, what What do you see in the future? Like, what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? Well, I'm. Um, we're still. Even if we have done all those um, studies on the vineyard and stuff, we're still at the infancy of that. So for me, there's still a lot more to do in terms of knowing better. Like now that we manage their our irrigation, um, what are we going to do to manage our canopy better and then even be even more balanced grapes? Um, I have that sustainability certification in mind and health and safety. Uh, I hate it. But it's important. <laughs> it's important, right? It's really important. We got that very loud. The cannabis anti-health and safety. Yeah. <laughs> so we've we we are uh, we, the business has grown over the last few years, and we're reaching we're reaching that uh, that uh, bar where we actually have to have a committee, and and, and so we're working on this with. Uh, the few people in the industry that are really knowledgeable about that. And um, and then we we have a, a vineyard in the south of uh, Okanagan, uh, just south of Osoyos, and it's planted with Riesling. And as soon as the contract is finished in September, it's out because Riesling doesn't belong where it is right now. And we are going to replant. And um, I've been looking for some clone of Syrah that are maybe more resistant to that Syrah, Syrah decline. And then maybe some, um, some other cool grapes from Italy and uh, mm. to complete the portfolio of La Stella. And just making, I'm really looking forward to have like if I have to be gone, I want 
to be able to this business to not that I'm going anywhere, but <laughs> I love where I am. But uh, to just um, to be to be self sufficient, like they, were, I want all my knowledge to be, and that's part of the um, the sustainability program. Like put all those things that I have in my head and, and paper, digital digitally file, and then have a business that runs and year after year. Um, you, you want to be able to take a vacation. <laughs> maybe, maybe that was the hint. Maybe. <laughs> Um, that sandy beach over there yeah, yeah that, that's for me <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, before uh, anthony starts playing the music and, and kicks us off is there any asks you have uh for the audience obviously by the pin by the stella wine it's wonderful you guys do an amazing job uh, is there anything else you'd like to let our audience know to check out or ask ask them to do anything like that um, just come to the wineries, uh, come and discover the, the passion. Like it's good to buy a bottle of wine, but if you come to the winery and we're completely safe with the COVID protocols and everything, we're, um, we worked hard on it. Um, but if you can grasp a little bit of our passion that all our staff is going to deliver, I think, I think for me, it's the key to enjoy wine. Like if you sit back at home and then you uncork that bottle and then you're, because it's so subjective drinking wine like we i can tell you it's going to smell like this this and this or or are you going to fill those standings but if you can enjoy it for yourself and then have that little pandora box that you open back at home and then have a little glimpse of that vacation that you took or that very nice time that you had it brings joy in our in our heart and in our insides and i think we all need a little bit of that just to stay in this very stressful environment so Come to the Okanagan. Come to the winery. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Great wine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been great. Thank you. Thank you. You can find out more about Sev online with numerous articles about her and her winemaking. But more importantly, you can find her wine at leviewpin.ca and lastella.ca. That's L-E-V-I-E-U-X-P-I-N dot C-A and L-A-S-T-E-L-L-A dot C-A. These links and other resources mentioned in the episode are included in the show notes as well.